Okay, we are live. Welcome everybody to Lubbock Compact Live for Wednesday, March 31st. We are having a great day. I'm here with my co-host, Dr. Nicholas Bergfeld, and we also have a very special guest uh, with us today, Danielle East, of, uh, who is the founder of East Lubbock Art House. She's also involved with the Charles Adams Studio Project, and so we are very excited to have her, and we will be um, talking to her here in just a second. But as you know, we, we kick it off with uh, updates for what's going on around the city, what's going on with Lubbock Compact. And so what is going on with Lubbock Compact? We have moved forward on the charter reform issue. And so just to recap, what's going on right now is the city of Lubbock is taking a look at the city charter, which hasn't been updated in a really long time. And so some of the things that were being looked at are city council pay, uh, the term length of the mayor was being floated around, as well as there was an idea of uh, adding two at-large city council members being floated around. Those two things in particular were being floated by the Lubbock Chamber of Commerce. Those were not things being officially discussed within the city council, but it was a very big deal because adding two at-large members basically means that you have city council members that can be voted in from anywhere in the city, but they speak for the entire city. So if the city council were to have that set up and enough city council members got a consensus about something or everything, then they could effectively disenfranchise two whole districts. And this actually takes us backwards from where Lubbock has moved up from. Back in the 80s, there was a lawsuit filed against the city that actually gave us what we have now with single member districts. So we were very concerned about that. We approached a lot of different community organizations and tried to let as many people uh, in the general public know about that so that we could all go and attend the first public hearing that was held yesterday um, on Tuesday the 30th. And so we weren't sure what kind of turnout we were going to have. We've been doing a lot of work over these past few weeks to, again, just to engage organizations, let them know what's going on. Some of the folks in those organizations were actually involved with that lawsuit. And so uh, this was something that struck a chord. They, uh, they were very passionate about it, obviously. And we ended up packing the house yesterday in, in the um, public hearing at the Charter Review Committee. And so the Charter Review Committee is, is a committee that was put together by the city to develop recommendations about how exactly the, the charter should change. And then in June, they're going to give their recommendations over to the city council. The city council will then vote on those recommendations. And the purpose of the vote is to see what will go on a ballot for November 2nd, because ultimately the citizens are the ones who decide how and when you change the city charter. The city council can't just do that on their own. So that's kind of a recap of what's been going on. But again, um, yesterday was just amazing. I'm still trying to take that all in. There was so many legendary community leaders. We even had um, just, you know, some citizens show up, which was a really big deal for me because I've been really trying hard to get more and more. And I don't want to say regular citizens, but you have activists, right, who have been doing this for a really long time. They're used to doing this kind of thing. But just, you know, just regular folks, average citizens, uh, I've been really trying to get uh, those people involved because I was just, I was not involved in this until last summer. So I get it. I wasn't even registered to vote until last summer. Um, I was one of those folks that said voting doesn't matter. Getting involved in political processes didn't matter. They're just going to do whatever they want to do. All those type of things that I'm sure a lot of you out there have heard. And so since I've been involved in all of this, I realized that that's just not true. And so I've been working really hard to try to get more folks to understand the power that we can really have when just a lot of people show up and have your voices heard. And that's exactly what happened yesterday. And our goal there yesterday was to get the committee to commit that no at-large members would make it into their recommendations. That was uh, the big goal for yesterday. And we accomplished that. We had a bunch of people uh, stand up and speak. 
we had people on Zoom that spoke. We had some people that emailed in their comments. And so it was a really great showing. And I was just really proud of everybody. Um, some of those people, you, you know, you could tell it was their very first time doing something like that. And uh, it was just really powerful to see. And so the committee really had no choice but to take that in and make the decision that they did, which was after a short break, because the public comments went for two hours. Um, after a short break, they came back and they officially stated that at-large members being added is off of the table. This was a huge relief for us, a big win. Um, and, and we're just really, really excited about that part, but it's, it's not over. The other thing that we are pushing for is for a living wage for city council members and the mayor. And our position on this is because currently as it stands, they basically get paid nothing. If, if you look at it, the mayor gets paid $75 a month. City council members get paid $25 a month, clearly not a living wage. So in our thought process, paying those positions a living wage would create the possibility for more just average folks to, who may have the life experience, the skills, and the capability to run for those offices and do the job to actually make it practical for those people to run and, and, and hold those positions. And so that's our big now. We've got the at-large member thing off, off of the table, but we really need to as a, as a whole in the city, we really need to push for this living wage because we feel like really nothing is gonna change. Up to this point, they haven't been paid a living wage and very little has changed in the way that the government is run here in, in Lubbock. And this is not uncommon in, in a lot of small cities, not that we're very small, but in smaller cities than you know, say Dallas or Houston, things of this nature. Um, it's pretty common to, ha to have that sort of setup. And so they, they basically get to just, it's, it's the top one or 2% citizens of the city that end up running everything. They're, you know, more, more often than not are very out of touch with the average person's life and the reality that they live with. And they're also really held more to special interest groups. Not only are those the communities that they more often than not come from, but also those folks are the ones who give them pretty big campaign contributions and other perks to kind of get their way, whether that be with uh, infrastructure spending or, or whatever it may be. And so in order to put us on a different path and to move us into the future where average folks who, who have been in the working class can have a possibility to see more people who understand their experience of life in those positions. Because those types of people will make different decisions than somebody who doesn't know what it's about, right? Or who doesn't care, because a lot of times that's, that's what happens, unfortunately. So we're very passionate about that for that reason. And, and uh, we're really excited about the developments of yesterday. And we just hope that, the, that more citizens and the same ones that came yesterday, we hope that more citizens are able to make it out to the public hearing that they will be having at the Charter Review Committee, which will be eight, uh, April 15th, Thursday, April 15th at 5.30 p.m. Uh, it's at Citizens Tower. And it, it's in the city, uh, the city council chamber. So right when you walk into Citizens Tower, you can't miss it. Uh, it's the big room in the middle. So again, that's April 15th at 5.30 p.m. We would love to see everybody come out. Even if you don't speak, if you're not comfortable speaking, you can email your comments. And even if you don't provide a comment, just to be there to stand in, or sit uh, in solidarity with us and, and everybody else that will be speaking. Because... It, it, it makes a really powerful statement and it's hard for the committee or even the city council when that happens to ignore people. Um, it, it, it's a lot easier to ignore folks when it's just us and maybe two or three other people. So we really would like to have as many people come out and we hope that you join us. Uh, very proud of everybody again that came out and spoke. Um, I, I've just been blown away. I'm still taking this all in. And so a uh, great day yesterday, but We'll go ahead and get into the uh, news updates from the city from my co-host, Dr. Nicholas Bergfeld. Yeah, and, and again, you know, just really amazing turnout. Everybody that was there, our hearts are so full. 
what an what an incredible showing uh, for the Lubbock community at that. And we're really hopeful that that you'll be able to be there with us on on the fifteenth as well um, to make sure that that these messages that we conveyed are are passed on um, and that they are heard. Um, so for news, uh, just taking it from the top, uh, first want to observe that uh, today is International Transgender Day of Visibility. And for those in the transgender community of Lubbock, uh, we just wanna to say to you that you are loved, you are valued, you belong here in our community. And we know that being an ally is a state of mind and a lifelong process. And we will strive to be allies of the transgender community as the Lubbock Compact. So um, next, uh, a bit of a, a lighthearted, uh, topic that's been circulating throughout the city of Lubbock. Uh, Chris Beard, our incredible uh, basketball coach. Uh, currently, there are rumors circulating that he might be poached by the University of Texas in Austin. Um, There's a, a very, very important day tomorrow. April, April 1st uh, is when his contract buyout uh, clause decreases to $4 million, which is apparently a more reasonable amount of money for UT to, to buy him out. And so many across the Lubbock community have been figuring out things to offer to him uh, in order to, to stay in our community. Um, from my perspective in economic development, uh, Chris Beard is super important. Um, you know, people like him, the, their ability to drive tourism and economic development is quite large. Uh, I really enjoyed an economic analysis of the impact that LeBron James has uh, on the city of Cleveland when he was there. Uh, and he brought in something around $200 million to the city uh, just simply by being part of their community. Um, so in that way, uh, I guess I, I would say uh, my soul, I'll probably, I'd probably give my soul if Chris Beard uh, was willing to stay in Lubbock. I don't really have much else to offer, uh, but please don't leave. Uh, you know, hope you, hope you would stick around uh, and, you know, kind of want to make sure that. Adam, is there any, anything that you would offer to, to Chris Beard to try to keep him around? Anything, anything you could think of? Well, yeah, I'm the wrong one to ask because I don't even watch sports. So, <laughs> hey, but if, if it helps the city, I'm all for it. Please stay with us. We, we would appreciate it. Um, so next on, on the city's calendar, uh, so we, we had a, a meeting, a very important meeting of the Unified Development Code. Um, so we talked about this a little bit uh, in the last um, Compact Live. Um, this is very, very important. Uh, initially, the city's process for creating new zoning reforms uh, was only going to focus on new areas of the city of Lubbock. Uh, but what we do know is that zoning issues uh, can cause a lot of challenges and barriers for communities to be able to economically revitalize. Uh, there are a lot of best practices on this topic. And what we were advocating for um, was that the consultants working with the city of Lubbock and the city council expand the conversation to include zoning reform as an aspect of this conversation. Uh, so in the UDC meeting, uh, the Unified Development Code meeting, this past week, a very important um, uh, change occurred where the Comprehensive Plan Oversight Committee was allowed to participate in that meeting. Um, so that's what we've been advocating for. The Oversight Committee was created as part of the 2040 land use plan process. This committee is a group of concerned citizens that were uh, empowered by the city government to make sure that the commitments and the promises that we made in the 2040 plan for revitalization uh, occurred and that we held ourselves accountable as a community to those. And so this oversight committee just got involved in the unified development code process, which is very, very important. Um, and so they have now been empowered uh, to, to work with the consultants as well as the city on thinking about zoning reform for our older neighborhoods. Um, and so that group, if you want, the, the most important thing that you could really do in, in this conversation now is just simply say to the oversight committee that you support their role in this conversation and that you want them to continue to pursue uh, best practices uh, in zoning reform. Uh, there's very clear things that we could do that potentially could be helpful for that. And so their next meeting is on April 5th at 10 a.m. Um, there is a uh, email address that you can send uh, comments to before that meeting. You have to send them five, uh, before 5 p.m. on April 4th in order for them to be heard. Um, and it's uh, cityplanning at mylubbock.us uh, is the address there. But please really all that you have to send to them is to say that I, I agree and I, I want you to feel empowered to make these choices uh, and to continue to move forward this conversation. And, and they've been really great with that. Uh, the other piece that we've been involved in on this topic is on green space. 
uh, and Joshua Shankles has really led the charge on that. He made a lot of noise at the UDC meeting uh, to talk about this issue and to advocate for it uh, and was able to get this issue elevated. And so now the uh, head of city planning for the city of Lubbock is, is going to bring together a community of individuals working on green initiatives to talk about ways that zoning reform uh, can help to promote more green spaces in our community, like community gardens and neighborhood parks. Uh, and so the compact is very involved in that through Joshua Shankles. Uh, and if, you, if this is something that you're interested in and care about, please reach out to us or to reach out to Josh directly uh, and to make sure that you have um, things that you wanna convey or information that you wanna be involved in that. Um, so those are all the uh, news updates uh, for this week. Awesome. So uh, we'll go ahead and get to our guest, Miss Danielle East. Welcome. Cool. Thanks for having me. Yeah, for sure. So um, as we said, you're the founder of East Lubbock Art House, of course. So before we get to that, uh, it, and I know you've told this story a bunch of times, I'm sure, but uh, kind of let people know like where you're from. How did you end up in Lubbock? How did this all start for you? Yeah, so I guess I moved to Lubbock about two years ago. Um, I'm originally from LaGrange, Texas, so it's like about an hour south of Austin. So I'm very familiar with like Central Texas, Austin area. That's what I was saying for. Um, and I moved to Lubbock to work at the Charles Adams Studio Project. Uh, I'm doing like a residency, so I basically make art. I live there, um, do stuff in downtown Lubbock. Um, and so then last year, kind of pre-COVID, I started working on East Lubbock Art House. So it's basically um, kind of like the Charles Adams Studio Project. It's a nonprofit arts organization. Um, we want to have like an art gallery where people can, you know, see art outside of First Friday Art Trail, um, see stuff within the community, uh, kind of work towards art and activism. Um, so kind of have a space where it's, you know, we're kind of conscious of what we're doing. So we're conscious of the art that we're making. We're conscious of the art that we sell and you know who our artists are in the community. Awesome, yeah. Um, so I, I gotta say, and, and most people know that have been that have been watching or following Lubbock Compact. I'm from East Lubbock. And so uh, I don't know if I've told you this personally. I know I've told some people that um, you got uh, for the East Lubbock community and I want to say that I appreciate you for that. Um, you've done a lot more than some folks who've lived there their entire lives. So that's, uh, that's a very good thing. And I'm glad that you're here. Um, you know, I've been a big supporter of East Lubbock Art House since I knew about it. Um, so what, um, I, I, we know you have a lot of events and things of that nature. Um, are, do you have anything coming up very soon or that you want to, that you want to let people know about? Um, so right now we just, uh, if you think about it, we still have Jane Lindsay's artwork in the art house. So we have that up until the 30th of April. Um, and then so next month we have an art competition. So it's our first um, kind of annual art competition. So it's just kind of free for all. Um, you can enter whatever type of artwork. So it's a way for people who have been asking, like, how do I get artwork in the art house? it's kind of your time. There's no fee to enter. Um, and the juror is Lindsay Maestri. So she's the director of the Louise Hopkins Underwood Center for Art. So she's also an artist. Um, so it, it's really cool. We're excited for it. We hope that we get a bunch of artwork, especially from the community and from outside of the community. So we've seen that we've had a few entries from like towns around Lubbock as well. So we know most of those towns don't have art galleries. They don't have like Texas Tech. So it's a way for those people who are in those smaller communities to have a way to showcase their artwork. And we also have artists that have never shown artwork as well before. So this might be their first time doing that. So this is kind of a way for them to learn their process and just, you know, continue entering competitions, um, just being professional with their artwork as well. Awesome. And so how, how would they be able to, do they just reach out to the, your Facebook page or is there an email or how, how should they reach out to you if they want to? Uh, so it's, um, we have it on our website underneath the calls for art. Um, you can check out our Facebook, Instagram. Uh, it's on there. Uh, it's also on like any of the art websites if you're an artist, um, like calls for art. So 
but they can also email us and we can send them the application to um, eatslovicartshouse at gmail.com. So it's pretty simple. We try and keep things like pretty simple, um, whether it's like, you know, how to reach out to us, how to apply for stuff, because we know that's also part of accessibility. Kind of if something's too difficult, then people won't be a part of it. So we try and keep it as simple as possible. We're not confused and they're not confused. That's great. So, uh, yeah. So once again, everybody, the email is eastlubbockarthouse at gmail.com, correct? And uh, the, the website is eastlubbockarthouse.org. So you can go on there and, and check it out and check out some of the other things they do. Something that you, that, that you do that uh, I think is really amazing is the um, community fridges. So can you talk about that a little bit? Yeah. So we have <laughs> they're like big yellow and blue fridges outside of um, East Lubbock Art House. So um, it's kind of like free-for-all too, simple as well. So kind of keeping that same mindset um, with accessibility. So it's just where people can put in food, um, whether it's non-perishables, fruits and vegetables, um, just bottled drinks. Um, and anyone can take food. So you can come 24 seven. Usually there's nothing there in the night. So it's kind of like, it's better to get there in the day because that's when most people put food in so it's just a way for people to have free and accessible food i know majority of the people that end up going to jail or you know then end up in prison is because you know they're stolen food so it's kind of a way you don't have to do that so you can just come here it's not stealing it's it's all free so um and it's you know people can take as much as they want we're not trying to you know, tell you, you just have to get this, save it for someone else. We try and just, you know, tell people, take what you need and then leave what you don't. So it's, you know, if you feel like you need to take all of this food because you don't want to come back and or a lot of times people don't live as close to where we are. So it's better if they take a lot of food than having to come back and forth. So it's, you know, whatever they feel like taking, just take it. Yeah, that's 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 a really great thing. And I had never even heard of anything like that um, until you started doing that. I, I think that's amazing. Uh, so really quick, everybody um, that's watching, if you have questions, just a reminder, you can put those in the comments. If you're watching on the Facebook, you can, of course, put them in the Q&A if you're here on the Zoom. And also, if you'd like to call in um, and uh, voice your question, then we will be putting the Zoom link in the uh, in those comment sections here in just a second, and you can do that. So uh, everybody kind of get ready for that, or you can go ahead and put your uh, question in there for Danielle or for us, um, whatever you may have. Um, so Danielle, like, what kind of uh, what kind of uh, feedback, I guess, have you gotten from the community? Have you gotten any feedback, or or how has the reception been overall of East Lubbock Art House? Yeah, so it's been um, relatively good. Um, there's, you know, sometimes I don't read the Facebook comments from like the KCBD Facebook page all the time. But um, when we were starting, it was kind of like, you know, like some people, they don't see like the need of why like East Lubbock or, you know, North Lubbock, why they might need an art gallery or even just why do they need another, another business. So it's kind of, you know, it was that kind of having to prove, like, um, also it was, like, proving why does Lubbock need another art gallery? Um, just, I mean, just that. And just also why, you know, Black Lives Matter, why Brown Lives Matter, and why is it so important to have these things? So that was really one thing. But um, I guess it's just, you know, people have always just been uncertain about the arts as well. So it was kind of having to prove, like, a sense of how, that brings value to the community or why do these people need you know the arts to help you know uplift the community because a lot of times they'll think like you know there's already these things going on there's enough in East Lubbock so East Lubbock doesn't really need anything for them essentially there's not really that many businesses there and there's actually room for potential so it was kind of having to prove that but now it's it's been mostly really good I was really surprised at how many people were really interested in it and that it was just getting that information to them that they were actually looking for something like that and when they found out now they're really you know excited about it so majority of it has been good and I've also seen where some people who had like negative comments at first it's almost like they're a little embarrassed about what they said so 
Um, none of those people have really said like, you know, gone back and retracted on that, but you can definitely tell that they've, you know, they might've made a mistake in saying stuff like that. So. Yeah, that's great. And that's something that we've heard, uh, you know, here in Lubbock for forever, for my entire life before I was born. Um, and it's, it's really sad. And I hope that the folks listening really heard that because so many people who live west of I-27, uh, they just think that once you cross east of I-27 that you're like going to be in wartime Beirut or something um, or that there's, you know, nothing but thugs or people out to do uh, bad things to everybody. Um, and that's really unfortunate. And uh, it's just not the case, honestly. Uh, if you if you go like like uh, they just had the walk to end racism at East Lubbock Art House this past Saturday, um, and and we heard the same thing over and over. And the more that folks come over from other areas of town and and visit uh, East Lubbock Art House or just any other thing that's going on over there, we have heard that over and over because it's just true. Um, people there are welcoming. They're just human beings like anybody else, and. Uh, they have hopes, dreams, aspirations, interests. Uh, there's artists there as well. Um, and, and nobody should have to leave their community uh, in order to get access to things such as an art gallery where they could maybe place their art. Because nine times out of 10, um, and I know that the Luca is pretty good about you know accessibility a lot of the times, but um, you know, a lot of folks from East Lubbock have a hesitancy to go and, and, and even try to pursue doing anything out of East Lubbock because of how they're gonna be looked at or how they're gonna be viewed uh, once people know that they're from East Lubbock um, or if they're a person of color and they go to the, you know, to a, a side of town where less folks appreciate that. And so I, I think that it's a, a great thing. Um, and, and I'm, I'm really glad that you touched on that. So what, what are um, outside of, of course, the negativity and things of that nature, um, are there any big challenges that you've come across um, in, in doing this work? Um, I guess one of the problems is kind of also reaching out to more people that do live in East Lubbock. Like a lot of our following is, you know, a lot of, it's mostly white people too. Um, but that's also good because we're trying to, you know, bring those people in, educate these people too. So it's kind of like we're just trying to target one person or trying to just reach out to one person or just have, you know, black and brown people's artwork on our walls. It's, it's for everybody. So that's kind of the whole message just to make it available for everyone. So no matter, because we try to reach people who are marginalized. So that might not just be, you know, black and brown. That might be the LGBTQA community. Um, might just be a person who um, is less able, someone who has never been to an art gallery, who's never heard of, you know, Luca, or just, you know, also younger communities. So um, it's it's been that reaching out to people who do live in East Lubbock, because a lot of times people, you know, they're not aware of it. And a lot of times, like, you know, they've never been interested in art. They've never, you know, had someone to tell them uh, the value of it. So they kind of like cancel that out of their mind. So they're not looking to go to the First Friday Art Trail every month. So you know, yeah. something happens there or a black artist from out of town shows their work. Um, they're not going to know about it because no one's telling them about First Friday Art Trail. Nobody's sharing the information with them. So we're working on sharing that information with people. So, you know, we might not always see things that are related to art. So we're trying to connect to people in different ways. So they might just come to East Lubbock Art House for food from the fridge, but they are, they'll stop by also to see the artwork or to buy a t-shirt or just to meet the artists that we have there. So um, that's one of them. Um, I feel like maybe funding, uh, sometimes it's hard. I know that we're new too, but it's, I see it also with like other nonprofits, other businesses, and I guess with COVID too, just, you know, getting that funding. Um, sometimes we'll spend like, I'll spend a lot of time writing a grant and then we don't get that grant. So it's, you know, it's hard in that aspect too. So it's, it's something that I feel and I know, um, a lot of other people feel too. I know at CAS that happens a lot too. So it's it's just something that we have to deal with and something that, you know, I guess we have to accept rejection as well. So, you know, we have a lot that's good and we also have to deal with 
you know, there's possibility that, you know, East Lovegard House won't be a thing if we don't have funding. So we're dealing with that, but it's been mostly, you know, relatively good because I know you have to take the good with the bad. That, awesome. Yeah. So um, anybody uh, that that does want to donate to East Lubbock Art House, again, go to eastlubbockarthouse.org or find them on Facebook um, and, and definitely give anything that you can give. Every every little bit helps. They do a lot of great work, as you can tell. Um, so we do have a couple of questions coming in here. Uh, David, I will get to your question in a second since it's not on the East Lubbock Art House, but we definitely will answer that. Um, Josh Shankles, uh, Mr. Shankles says, Danielle has made such a huge impact on our community and our community's artists. What's her vision of the future of East Lubbock Art House and, and the art scene in Lubbock? Yeah, so um, our vision is kind of to work um, at the intersection of art and activism. Um, so what that kind of means is we really wanna do things that you know, are artistic, but that are also kind of really impactful to the community. Um, and we're also trying to work to make more people anti-racist. So that's one of the biggest things that we're trying to do right now. Um, a lot of our artists and a lot of people who have kind of returned for us have been black and brown. So we're trying to work with those people, um, especially connect with Texas Tech um, and get artists that are going to Texas Tech to come to East Olympic Art House, kind of give them a way that, you know, after you get out of college that you're not just like lost. So, you know, whether they're an artist, whether they're, you know, work with communications, um, kind of that thing. So, and then just to have more art shows and have more people come out, hopefully with COVID, we can have bigger events. Um, we wanna have more artists showcase their work. We've been trying to get more artists to have shows like Jane's show. So that's also been a struggle to get artists, especially in Lubbock, um, to put together a body of work that they can showcase. So we're looking for, you know, artists that'll be, you know, big and then also to move outside of Lubbock. So we're working with, you know, artists outside of Lubbock, some from Dallas, Austin. So um, just connecting with those artists as well, and educating them on East Lubbock. So, I mean, I've met with a few this week that, you know, a guy from San Antonio that, you know, he's experienced the same things that are going on in East and North Lubbock. So just kind of bridging that gap and just, you know, educating them on what's going on, getting them involved in the arts. Because just like I said before, he didn't know about the first Friday art show either. So, you know, he doesn't know about the one coming up and the one in May. So it's, you know, telling people about that stuff that's going on. Yeah. And, and I can speak from experience on this. Um, I've been an artist my whole life and uh, of course, when I was young, I was told that that's, that's going to be useless. You know, I can't do anything with that. Um, and so I know that a lot of artists deal with that uh, if, if that's what you are when you're coming up. And so what I did was um, I took my career into doing branding and marketing artwork. So I don't get to do much of my own artwork anymore. And so I, I wish that there, there would have been something around like that. Um, I, I may have stuck to more of my uh, traditional artists roots uh for for a lot longer and uh i still may get involved uh if i can find some time and uh put some art in there that would be really cool but um speaking of art uh josh has another follow-up question for you and he's he wants you to speak about your own art i know that you've had uh a couple of exhibits uh probably a few uh, but uh yeah just speak about some of, some of your own art um what you have going on cool yeah so um also, I'm in Austin right now. I'm in the airport. But um, so, yeah, I came to Austin. Um, well, I live, I'm from close around Austin, but I'm doing a workshop where we're doing some printmaking. Um, so we're turning one of like my embroidered pieces into like a print on paper. So um, I'm doing stuff like that. So I've been working on some artwork at the Charles Adams Studio Project. So mostly sculptures, um, a little bit of printmaking, and then some poetry. So um, I moved out of cast in September of this year. So it was kind of, it's a really good space for me to make bigger work, um, just connect with other artists that I live around. Um, and then the first party art trail, which, you know, it's about 6,000 people that come out monthly. So it's really good to like make new work and then get feedback from these people because it's, you know, if I didn't have the first Friday art show, I would just be making, like making artwork in a hole. 
Right, right. Um, so, so you said that uh, the, the cast uh, comes to an end for you in September, you said? Yeah, yeah. So it's just, I have to move out, but I can still, you know, do stuff around there. Because um, it's kind of like a two-year thing. So it's for, it's kind of a way for them to bring in new artists. So it's kind of pointless. It would be against their mission for me to stay there longer because then it's kind of holding space for another artist. So it's, it's really good to see, you know, artists move in, artists move out. You know, at least every year it'll be someone different there. Yeah. So what are you? What are your plans um, after after you move out from there? Are you staying in Lubbock? Yeah, I'll for sure stay in Lubbock. Um, I'll probably still be making artwork. Great news, because we don't want you to leave. <laughs> I probably won't stay there, especially with East Lubbock Art House. But I just looking for a space with another studio. Um, I don't know if I'll get a studio at Cast again, but um, I was looking at something downtown, but I'll probably still just be, you know, making artwork at East Olympic Art House. And, you know, hopefully I can find a studio space or a house with a big enough space. Yeah. So we have a, a question from Dave, David Puga. He says, I've always wondered who designed the East Olympic Art House logo and what was the inspiration behind it? Yeah, I just did it. I just, I was trying to make something simple. So it was just, I could just incorporate it with a bunch of different things, but um, I just wanted to have like that house, the idea of the house. And so we've been doing things to kind of, you know, relate to that, um, like having the books in there, um, kind of the fridges is kind of that idea, just having this space that people are comfortable at, um, like it's professional space, but it's also, you know, has a homey feel, uh, place that you can be feel comfortable at. So it's, you know, we just have that idea. And we wanted to have ELOS, <laughs> a good acronym, but yeah, um, there was other places that like were called art houses and I was really interested in that and especially like Project Row Houses, uh, which is where they took um, old shotgun houses um, and kind of repurposed them into artist studios. So it's kind of the same mindset that I took in that and we were just looking at different spaces. I had different ideas for designs, but you know, it's just something that we could play off. I just thought we can play off of it in the future and kind of, you know, it had a lot of potential in it. Awesome. Yeah, yeah. I always wear my uh, East Lubbock Art House shirt. I, I like the logo. Uh, I've always liked this since when I saw it. So once again, everybody that's watching, you can put your uh, questions in the comments if you're on Facebook or in the Q&A if you're on Zoom. You can also, um, Eric, if you'd like, you can go ahead and put the link uh, for them to call into the Zoom if they'd like to do that. Um, and I, uh, I have a question that's off of East Lubbock Art House real quick while we, while we wait on see if anybody else has any questions. So uh, David, once again, he says, I wonder, uh, and this is concerning the charter uh, review committee that mm -hmm. we were just speaking about. He said, uh, this is concerning the at-large uh, position that they just took off the table. They did not uh, mention the uh, taking uh, extending the mayor's term off the table. So he says, I wonder about that. From my understanding, the official thing on the line was extending the mayoral terms, which was also tied to the 83 court order. So let me explain that really quickly. So um, a big part of why it would be hard for uh, anyone to try to add two at-large positions or any at-large positions is because of that lawsuit that I mentioned earlier in 1983. The court ruling states very clearly um, about the term limits for the mayor and about uh, the number of city council positions. And so uh, if they wanted to change that, they uh, the city would need to be prepared to challenge that court ruling in US District Court. So uh, he's saying, uh, once we start messing with that, it would open up the way to to get those at-large back in, stating at-large couldn't be added currently without mentioning this loophole seemed like a lie by omission on the charter committee's part. Would this be a correct reading? Um, I cannot argue with, with you on that. Um, we're not exactly sure if, if that was their intention. Of course, they wouldn't say that. But um, we really feel that they're, they're probably not gonna do that. Um, that, that definitely could happen if they do start talking about that. Um, we're going to push back just as hard as we did on the uh, at-large uh, in general. And so I did in my public statement yesterday, I did mention that part as well, along with the at-large members. 
um, because the, the Lubbock Chamber like combined those two things. So basically what they did was they, they said, if we extend the mayor's term to four years, then we could add these two at-large members and so the majority of the city council could be up for re-election every two years. The thing about that is, though, is that they're all, the majority of the city council is already up for election every two years. So you're just creating a problem, first of all. And then their solution to this problem was basically voter suppression by adding two uh, at-large um, city council positions. So, David, that that uh, I would say that that's a pretty fair reading of the situation, but we, we honestly think that that's uh, been put to bed at this point. Again, if, if they do try to bring that back up, they, they're gonna get a pretty hard pushback. Um, I think the only thing that they did mention was uh, term limits is what they did mention at, at the meeting uh, after they came back from the break. And that's something different. So that's like saying the the mayor can only run twice, for instance, you know, or or something of that nature. And it's, um, definitely, it's definitely something for us to be mindful of though on April 15th. Um, and so we, we still, we had a phenomenal turnout at this public hearing. We need similar turnout on April 15th at 530 uh, because we really need to make sure that these issues um, that we've spoken out against and have pointed out that there isn't any funny business um, or sort of any kind of last second attempts to try to make this seem like it's the will of the people. Um, and so we really do need folks to, to show up and turn out on the, on the 15th as well to, to push back um, if any of these types of arguments suddenly kind of come out of the, you know, out of the woodwork. Yeah, and David, I know that you made a, uh, a comment uh, via Zoom uh, yesterday. Thank you for that. Uh, definitely show up again on the 15th if you can on Zoom uh, or, or in person if you can. I, I, I know that you're more of a Zoom guy, but uh, if you do, uh, definitely show up on, on the 15th and, and voice that to them. Uh, make them. Make them respond to it. Um, and that's why I say this is so powerful for people to show up and, and ask, you know, voice what they're thinking. Um, because so much of what was said yesterday, they had to respond to. There, there really wasn't a choice. They couldn't just leave that stuff hanging out there in the open uh, without responding to it. And so this is how we make things happen. Uh, we don't have the millions of dollars like a lot of these folks that sit on these committees or the city council. And so uh, the way that we combat that is uh, with people power, with uh, having people ask those uncomfortable questions and just to make them understand that uh, people are watching. And that makes it a lot uh, uh, less easy for them to just kind of do what they want to do. So we do have a, uh, thanks for that question, David. So we do have another question for Danielle now. Um, and again, I'll just remind everybody, you can put your questions in the comments. Um, I believe Eric has probably posted the link uh, to the Zoom if you'd like to call in, um, or you can put them in the Q&A here in the Zoom. So this question is from Robert Baxter. He says, um, for Danielle, where do you want the East Lubbock Art House uh, by an operational and a community position to be in the next three years? Yeah, so hey, Robert. <laughs> um, so operationally, um, I wanted to where we can, you know, pay our like artists interns a little more. Um, so, and also pay myself more, <laughs> so I'm not struggling. But um, that would really take a big relief off of all of us. So we wouldn't, you know, have to do a bunch. Um, and also, so we can have someone that can just really help. Like we want to be able to put money back in the community. So um, a lot of times people will say, you know, that's like doing this, doing that. But it's, it's also having jobs. So if there are no jobs, then, you know, there's no way for people to live there. And they have to go, you know, out of town, across town for a job. So, you know, being a place where someone can have a job. Um, as well, we just want to, you know, be able to put more money back into the community. So it's, you know, it's hard if we can't pay ourselves, then we can't put anything back into the community. So we just want to be able to where we could always have, you know, the bridge is full, um, whenever people, you know, need like a snack, food, they can come and get that. Um, just so we can also, you know, have the art classes for free as well. Um, and just have like the free art supplies for the kids so we don't have to, you know, kind of pinch pennies. You know, there are other organizations that, you know, do have that money, but they don't give back as much. So it's, you know, it's hard seeing that and hard knowing, you know, but it's, it's no way that we can critique someone else's money, but also, um, from the community 
we're um, starting up where we can have volunteers. We want to have a volunteer council. So just people like we had people at the walk assisting. Uh, we just want to have more people that kind of have a say in what we do. So, you know, and they'll be familiar with what's going on. Um, they'll do things like that, helping set up art shows, um, helping run the art classes. Um, and if they have like any other ideas and they want to, you know, kind of spearhead it, they have that um, kind of that power to spearhead that. So it's not just, you know, one person doing everything. It's, you know, if you want to have like, you know, an art club or something, we can do that and you can just run that. So we want it to be where it's, you know, more community-based, people can do what they like. Um, and then just also, we want to have like more space. So uh, we have about 2000 square feet, but we want to have a bigger space where it's, you know, we can have artists that are actually doing work in there um, and that we're open more days during the week. So there might be people in there just, you know, working on a painting or making a sculpture. So it's not just art on the wall, it's also artists working in the community. Awesome. Something that, um, that oh, I've, I've been curious about, um, Danielle, is you know when, when thinking about um, the arts and activism in Lubbock, um, you know, for a lot of artists who grow up in the Lubbock area, they oftentimes will say or feel as though uh, that they actually have to leave Lubbock to really be able to express themselves, right? We, we have, you know, Lubbock or Leave It is even in a Dixie Chicks song. Um, you know, famously, Buddy Holly, who came from our community, uh, felt as though as, as an artist that he, he didn't have the ability to truly uh, show his breath, express himself um, in the constraints that are here in the city of Lubbock. And I'm curious, how do you feel about um, the intersection of arts and activism in Lubbock? Is, is it a good fit? Or has, have you found that there's been friction or difficulties in, in that journey? Yeah, I feel like I feel like anywhere is a good fit. I feel like especially places where you think that it's not a good fit, it's probably the perfect fit. That's where it beats it most. Like, you know, anywhere is good to make art, but sometimes, you know, most people in Austin are gonna, you know, they're all, they all have the same mindset. So activism is where, you know, you have, you're there to make change. So if there's a place that doesn't really need that change, then it's, it's probably, you know, other places do need it more. So, you know, it's, I feel like it's a good place, you know, it's, it's backlash, but that's going to be everywhere. Um, sometimes I hear a lot, like people will say, I'm going to leave and it's going to be better. And then essentially like, it's not better. It's the same stuff. <laughs> so it's just the same stuff, with higher prices. Mm -hmm. So, you know, and then people, um, they just end up coming back, so they're just running in a circle. So I just, I feel like it's the perfect place for activism. It's the perfect time, like, especially um, when COVID hit, like people say, you know, people had more time. They were reading, watching TV, listening to the news more. So it's, it's a perfect time. And like, now's the time to be active to, you know, force your opinion. Um, and even if you're an artist, it's a perfect opportunity, like for Friday, our trail is coming back up. Um, and at the Louise Hopkins Underwood Center for Art, you know, they have some restrictions with the artwork since it's, you know, there's so many people coming through different ages, but they're always looking for art that like has a message. And a lot of times people will think that they're not looking for that message, but they are. And it's sometimes yeah. that they're kind of sad that they don't get artists that, you know, have something to say with their work. So it's a perfect place put that artwork up so it's you know there are places looking for that especially the texas tech school of art they're also looking for people who have a message um i guess that's like one of the biggest misconceptions that people don't want that type of art people don't want to hear that um but people do want to hear that it's a perfect place for you know people are willing to listen to what you have to say that's awesome um so, uh yeah, um, I, I've always kind of been a big proponent of, of what you just said and telling people because I, I made the decision a long time ago uh, when people looked at me a lot crazier than they do today that I would stay here in Lubbock. Um, and uh, that was my idea is that, um, first of all, this is where I grew up. Um, and second of all, like we really do need a lot of change here. And so if, if we leave, 
then we're ju- we just end up changing wherever we go, right? And then uh, ju- just back to what you said about uh, people leaving, this has kind of always been a, a big thing, especially in East Lubbock. A lot of people, um, we've, we've had a joke that, uh, you know, they, they think that Dallas and Houston are like uh, the end all be all. And so they go and they'll move there. And, and in Dallas in particular, they usually end up, all end up in the same area. So it's like Lubbock and just in a different city. <laughs> Um, and then a lot of them end up coming back anyway, because like you said, the cost of living is just outrageous. Um, and there's just so many more people, so much more competition and, and all of those kind of things. Um, so, yeah, I definitely agree with you there. Um, uh, as far as the Luca, um, I think that's great that you're letting people know that because uh, I, I honestly didn't really think about yeah, that. I, part. I, I didn't either. Um, yeah. uh, how, how do uh, folks get their artwork there. Also, they, they can sell their artwork there, right? Yeah, and also galleries, they can sell their work. Um, but I think Luca is probably, you know, they're really good. Um, they have a lot of money that's, um, you know, it's in the name, but, um, you know, the curator, Linda's really good. Lindsay's also really great, too. Um, and they also have, like, three gallery spaces, well, four gallery spaces, so it's enough work that they're you know, they're willing to put so many artists work up. So I know they have that call for art open around September. I think it's due around that time too. Uh, but it's, you know, they're always looking for artists and the majority of time they get artists that are outside of Lubbock, um, which is also good, but it's, you know, sometimes it's good to see artists that are in Lubbock. So they also really value that. They're just, you know, they're always looking for artists. So I hope they continue to do that where they, you know, invests in the Lubbock artist community. Awesome. Well, we have about eight minutes left. Nick, did you have anything else for Danielle? Any other questions? I anything guess, to say? yeah. Um, you know, Danielle, you, you're an innovator and, and a trailblazer in our community in so many ways. Um, I, I, a lot of people would say just simply opening up uh, a studio on the east side uh, is being a pioneer uh, because of just simply the uh, deprivation and lack of ac- activities and lack of investment uh, that comes to the East Side community. And I'm, ju- I'm just sort of curious, when you think about people who want to get involved in activism, whether it be on, on the East Side of Lubbock or whether it be in Lubbock in general, you know, what, what are the things that you would want them to know about or to think about um, from your own journey and your experiences here? Um. I don't know. I guess just get involved. I mean, like get involved with Lubbock Compact. Like I always tell people that just look at what people are doing um, with Laser, um, different Facebook groups, uh, you know, just get in a Facebook group too, but just follow people. And I guess just, I guess kind of people watch, watch what people are doing um, and where people are going, um, especially go to the city council meetings. Uh, people will watch news that's like, you know it's good to watch news that's outside of Lubbock but also just to see what's going on like right behind you so it's you know going to that I think city council meetings are probably like the main thing Um, but just also watch the local news like I guess that's how people find out about what's going on but if you don't watch that then you're gonna you'll you'll be out of the loop and then I guess just you know I read a lot I watch a lot of Netflix documentaries so I think watching those and like being aware of like, you know, just what's going on and just, you know, what's happening um, in the world in general. So I guess that's especially like, um, I guess some good authors, good people to follow. Um, read a lot of texts by Malcolm X, um, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Like actually reading, not just, you know, looking up quotes and quoting famous things that he said, but like actually reading and learning about like who he was and what he did in the community. Um, also Angela Davis. So just looking at those and just, you know, getting fire from their fire. So, I mean, just following people like that and following just people in general, even if you agree with them, don't agree with them, but just knowing what they do in the community. That's a, yeah, that, that's uh, awesome. And that's a great segue to kind of end on. Um, I, I definitely uh, want to recommend to everybody out there the autobiography of Malcolm X. Um, it was actually taken uh, from him uh, 
directly speaking to the author and he told the author uh basically that he just wanted somebody to write it down he didn't want a writer he didn't want somebody to to make a story he just wanted him to convey what he was saying which he did really well um and and why that's important for a lot of people is uh, I was one of those folks that had a, a troubled childhood, um, had a very hard life uh, in, in the beginning stages of my life. And just reading about him and, and what he went through and how he grew as a, as a person and into a man and uh, some of the more controversial things he said that turn a lot of people off, he actually grew from some of those things. Some of the things he kept because they were just true, uh, however uncomfortable they were, but some of those ideas that he had that may have been misplaced, he, he abandoned those. But you don't know that if you um, just kind of take it at face value of what you hear about Malcolm X. A lot of times when people say Malcolm X, um, that, that comes with a connotation because uh, you've probably been told a lot of uh, bad things. The same thing about the Black Panthers. If you read the actual story of these folks and what they were really doing um, at, at such a young age, uh, there's a movie that came out called uh, Judas and the Black Messiah about Fred Hampton from the Black Panthers. And, and when you read about what they were doing, they had free clinics for people in their neighborhoods because they couldn't get proper medical care. And these were actual legit doctors from, from bigger medical facilities that would come and volunteer their time because they supported what the Black Panthers were doing. Uh, the free breakfast program that they were doing at the time uh, was really helping a lot of people in the community. Of course, those were black communities. And J. Edgar Hoover, the director of the uh, FBI at the time called that the greatest threat to national security that there was. And so when you think about these things, you have to understand why they were happening and understand why you've heard some of the things you've heard about some of these people. Angela Davis in particular, I had the honor of, of hearing her speak when she came here to Lubbock. I wasn't gonna miss it. Uh, if, you, if you read her story, what she went through and she's still she's still active uh and and very much involved in uh just uplifting not only her own community but just uh the world at large and so uh i would just second what danielle said and invite you to read about some of these folks that you you may have had negative connotations about before and ask yourself why are you why are you still hearing about them if they were so horrible if they didn't have anything of value to bring why do you still hear about them in 2021? Um, and that's a good question to start with. So um, again, I will second what she said about getting involved and, and following what people are doing. This is an unprecedented time in Lubbock, Texas. I've lived here my entire life. I'm, I turned 40 years old in January. I have never in my life seen what has been going on, not only with what Lubbock Compact is doing, but Laser as well, who, who uh, I'm, I'm also on the board of Laser, Danielle and I, um, they're actually the ones that really kind of uh, brought to light even what was happening here in Lubbock for me and, and what got me pulled into this whole thing. The Lubbock Disparity Report that got me involved with Lubbock Compact, I saw in the Laser Facebook group. Um, uh, East Lubbock Art House, all these different people. This is an unprecedented time. We've never seen anything like this. And to anybody from East Lubbock that's watching, it's different. It's a different time. I, I understand and I know what it was like um up until now and i know that there there just was not anything like this going on and so a lot of that hope that was drained out of us uh we should restore some of that because uh though we still have a long way to go we have made a lot of headway even in just the last year and um since since all of these great folks have been involved in doing this work and so just follow what everybody has going on um, get involved or, or even just stand in solidarity with them when they have events or things of that nature. Um, and, and that's what I can say <laughs> to end off the show. Uh, so thanks everybody for watching. It is eight o'clock. Thank you, Danielle, for everything that you do. Thank you for coming on the show. And is there anything yeah. else you want the people to know before we get out of here? Um, I guess that's it. Um, Come check out East Lubbock Art House. We're open Friday through Sunday. Not this Sunday because it's Easter, but every uh, Friday through Sunday from 12 to 7. Um, and definitely check out Jane Lindsay's show um, before April 30th before it goes down. So, yeah. Awesome. Nick, anything you want to say before we get out of here? Uh, April 15th, 530. We need you there. Please show up. Um, you know, just be in solidarity, give public comment if you feel moved. If you're there and you, and you hear passion speakers and you want to talk to, please do so. 
Uh, and then last, but uh, you know, we need to announce the uh, the, the website shift, uh, Adam. Yes, definitely. And that's just what I was about to do before we uh, officially end the show. So again, uh, follow us on Facebook at Lubbock Compact. Uh, you can go to our website at lubbockcompact.com to see everything we're doing. And speaking of the website, we will have a new, uh, brand new updated website. You can check that out on Friday. Um, and so it'll have information of how you can donate or how you can volunteer for Lubbock Compact. Uh, it will, it has, uh, the website has the Lubbock Disparity Report, uh, which kicked off Lubbock Compact. Uh, and it, it basically just outlines the disparities that are going on in Lubbock that you may have not even been aware of. Um, and, uh, yeah, so uh, we have a lot of things going on. Again, if you can, come out uh, April 15th. Citizens Tower, 5.30 p.m., and either stand and sit or sit with us in solidarity or make a public comment. You can do that in public. You can speak it in public. You can speak it over the Zoom, or you can email those comments in. Uh, we did have a little bit of an issue where they didn't put the email address on the agenda for this last meeting. I don't think they're going to be making that mistake again um, because we definitely let them know about that and, and called them out on that. So, uh, really hope they don't do that, but I'm sure they won't. So you, you will be able to, to email your citizens uh, comments in. And so thank you everybody for tuning in um, as always. And we're going to continue to do this. And it, again, if you know anybody that you'd like us to interview or any topics that you would like us to discuss, please don't hesitate to reach out um, on Facebook at Lubbock Compact. We're also on Instagram or lubbockcompact.com. So thank you everybody. Good night. Mm -hmm.